Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. So, does a former employer owe you money? Enter workers owed wages. New York's governor expanding paid family leave. And today on the show, the North Coast Labor Federation and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Welcome to the Thursday, January 18th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have two guests on the show today, both of them making first-time appearances on America's Workforce. We like to bring a lot of new people to the show, and that is happening. We're going to start things off with Brian Baker. Had a conversation the other day with Pat Gallagher, who heads the North Coast Labor Federation, and he said, you know what, you got to get Brian on the show. And I said, why? Well, he was the first secretary treasurer of the North Coast Labor Federation when it was founded many, many moons ago. He was also president of the Lorain County AFL-CIO, but talk about a rich union background. He joined Local 129 of the IBEW in Lorain, Ohio, back in 1986. He served as executive vice president, then business manager, from 97 to 2007. And that year, 2007, he was called up to serve as national political director and then chief of staff for the IBEW in Washington, D.C. Now, that position spanned about 15 years. He was a senior executive assistant to the president responsible for the daily operations for over 725,000 IBEW members in the United States and Canada. And when he was with uh, Local 129, well, he's always a member of Local 129, he managed 455 members. He negotiated all contracts and grievances affecting his local union members, worked to develop a harmonious relationship with contractors in the community. And now he's looking to join the Lorraine County Commissioners. And this is going to be a good conversation because you have heard me say this on the show so important, so important that if you are involved in your union and you can articulate a positive pro-worker message, maybe you should run for office. And I'll tell you, the AFL-CIO has been grooming many, many candidates over the years. It started in New Jersey. They have a heck of a program there. It's gone national. And we have seen their results I remember talking to Tim Berga, head, uh, who heads the Ohio AFL-CIO, and uh, this past November in a lot of the uh, municipal races, they had about 40 union brothers and sisters that said, you know what, we're going to run for office. Could be a school board, could be a city council position, it could be a mayor. Out of that group, 27 were elected. That's pretty darn good. And Brian is trying to accomplish that. Elaine Rishovd 
will be our second guest on the show today. Elaine is a flight attendant and also a chief union steward and negotiator for Sun Country Airlines Teamster Local 120. Now, this local represents nearly 12,000 members in four states, Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, and South Dakota, and they represent over 300 employers in both the private and public sector. Teamsters Local 120.org. Now, here's the story. Sun Country and Local 120 have been in talk since late 2019, four years ago, with a 19-month break due to the pandemic. The members voted down a tentative agreement in May of last year by a margin of 96%. Currently, they're in mediation. First mediation session was last month. Next one set for next month. What do they want? Money. Wages. Right now, this is crazy. They're working off a 2014 contract and a wage scale that goes back to 2016. They are some of the lowest paid in the industry. They haven't been keeping up with inflation. They feel they're being reasonable in their proposals to the company, but they haven't budged. One thing the company has done, the board of directors spent nearly $100 million in stock buybacks. Yeah. So, obviously, they have money. Obviously, they have money. A little background on Elaine. She's a 29-year flight attendant for Sun Country Airlines. Again, she's the chief steward and negotiator for the flight attendant members. She's got approximately eight years' experience as a steward, first elected in 2012 through 2016 and again in 2019. Prior to becoming a flight attendant, she was an operations officer for a helicopter airplane operator in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Okay, I'll tell you, there's so much out there, so much out there. Workers getting screwed. And uh, Local 120, it's a good thing they got the Teamsters behind them because that is one very, very powerful union. Now a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, offering fixed income real estate and equity investment options to clients from coast to coast. Are you owed money? Well, thousands of workers are owed money. And the U.S. Department of Labor has created a website to try to make it easier to find that money. Got to check this out. This is very cool. It's called Workers Owed Wages. Just uh, Google that. I mean, the uh, the website is very, very long. That's why I'm suggesting you just Google Workers Owed Wages. I did it before I started the show, and bingo, it's right there. It's a search tool created by the Labor Department letting people enter their information to see if they are owed money. By the way, it is available in English as well as Spanish. Much of the money is back wages, like a last paycheck that wasn't paid to a person. In many cases, employees change jobs or addresses, and they can't be notified. They move. The money is then forwarded to the Labor Department's Wage and Hour Division, which can hold it for up to three years. So there's a time limit on this. Now, In some cases, probably many cases, it's difficult for the Labor Department to find the workers, which is why they decided to do this. 
just in the state of Ohio. The Labor Department said more than 4,200 workers are owed more than $1.7 million. That's just one state. So this could be hundreds of millions of dollars when you think about it. So again, that website, workers owed wages. Workers owed wages. If you think you are owed wages, check it out. Check it out. On Tuesday of this week, this was a surprise. The justices of the U.S. Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal from Alaska on a Republican-backed policy, which was passed four years ago in 2019. That policy, which was an administrative order by then-Governor Mike Dunleavy, barred unions from representing and collecting dues from workers unless those workers filled out an authorization form. Lower courts in Alaska dismissed the case, and the Alaska Supreme Court affirmed it in that decision, that is, in 2023. This is a shock because we have a very conservative court and many times they are willing to take something like this up, but they decline. So that's certainly good news for workers in the state of Alaska. President Biden has announced his intention to nominate Ann Wagner. Ann is an attorney with extensive experience in federal government service and a federal employees union to a seat on the Federal Labor Relations Authority, the FLRA. A little background on her. She worked as assistant general counsel for the American Federation of Government Employees, handling significant cases. Her nomination aims to restore a full complement of members to the FLRA. Since 2015, Wagner has served also as associate special counsel at the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, focusing on protecting government whistleblowers, and addressing federal employee complaints. She previously served as the vice chair of the Merit Systems Protection Board, where she adjudicated federal employees' appeals and handled cases brought by the Office of Special Counsel. Sounds like she's got pretty darn good credentials there, especially with that union background from the American Federation of Government Employees. Google has lodged an appeal on the Fifth Circuit Court against the National Labor Relations Board, who ruled earlier this month that Google had unlawfully refused to negotiate with the union representing contract workers at YouTube. Now, those workers, directly employed by Cognizant Technology Solutions, were deemed jointly employed by Google in a decision by an NLRB regional director, this was last March, which was also held up by the NLRB in Washington. The workers subsequently voted 40 to 0, 40 to 0 to unionize last April. And since then, both Google and Cognizant have challenged the union's legitimacy and refused to negotiate. Very, very typical, right? Very, very typical. And uh, one more here. This is out of New York where Governor Kathy Hochul has announced plans to expand paid family leave to include prenatal care. Under the plan, New Yorkers would have 40 hours of paid leave to get prenatal care. Now, the state's current state law 
limits short-term disability benefits to the four weeks prior to a child's birth with a seven-day waiting period. Now, if her proposal passes, New York would become the first state in the country to define family leave to include prenatal care. The governor plans to release details of the plan, including a funding plan later this month. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the first secretary treasurer of the North Coast Labor Federation. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the U.S., US, Canada, Canada, and and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at voidwaterson.com. The Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great ironworker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today 
Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at IFPTE.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, line number one. Joining us from Lorraine, Ohio today is Brian Baker. and He's got an interesting story to tell. He joined the IBEW. This would be Local 129 in Lorraine, Ohio, going back to the mid-1980s, actually 1986. He was also the first secretary treasurer of the North Coast Labor Federation when it was formed about 20-some years ago. And I talked to Pat Gallagher as I mentioned at the beginning of the show. He said, but you got to get Brian on the show. He's got an interesting story. You probably don't know this, but he went all the way to national at the IBEW. I said, okay, okay, let's get him on. And here he is today. Brian, welcome to America's Workforce. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So talk to me about the, the mid-80s there. What made you get involved in the IBEW? Was this something your dad told you to do, family members? <laughs> Tell me that story. Go ahead. So uh, my dad was a member of uh, the uh, Labor's Local 758, um, involved in their union, and work was slow in the area, and I wanted to go into the Labor's, and my dad said, it's slow right now. He said, you, gotta, you, know, you should look for something else. I worked in a little manufacturing company for a while, found the apprenticeship, uh, applied for the apprenticeship, took me about a year to get in, and uh, just got very involved in, you know, getting through my apprenticeship. It was a four-year apprenticeship program, and then uh, once I got out of the trip, I just started getting involved in IBW Local 129, uh, you know, union union members, you know, and stayed busy with the IBW. So was there a lot of work with the, with the IBW at that time then? It, it was slow. It was slow at the beginning of it. For my first three months, I just went to school. There was no work to start, and then eventually the economy started to pick back up. And then, the, you know, I started working good all through my apprenticeship. Stayed working, and um, you know, work turned out good for all the trades in our area starting in that time. How many how many members were in 129 at that time? Because I was reading earlier that uh, there was a point where you managed 455 members there. Yeah, when we when I when I first got into the local, there was about 200 and 270, 270 members, um, and then in uh, I think around I think right around about 1995, we had a merger between uh, it went up to Erie County, Huron County, and and Lorain County, took us up to about 380, and then uh, I became business manager in um, 97. And then we were able to organize and organize more people in and got up to about 455 was my peak when I was the business manager. Great. Talk to me about organizing because uh, Lorraine County, I mean, there's some, uh, <laughs> there's some progressive areas of Lorraine County. It's a very interesting County and there's some very conservative areas of Lorraine <laughs> County. What, what part were you in and, and take me back to that time when it comes to organizing. So I was, I was up closer to the lake. Um, I lived up, you know, around that area in our local lake. We were probably three, four miles to the lake. So we were probably more in a progressive area. 
but we we talked to everybody in our county, you know, and um, we had some some uh, say non-signatory contractors out there, and we were in need of manpower, and we'd go out and talk to guys and tell them what we could offer them as the IVW, um, you know, the benefit package, schooling, wherever that was, and we started to become pretty successful. Um, taking members into the IBW, and then if they needed schooling to train up, uh, we, we offered the schooling to help them train up to, to be qualified journeymen so that we could supply our contractors with enough manpower. Um, it was, it was, sometimes it was challenging because you go out and talk to guys, and, you know, guys didn't want to take that leap. They were comfortable in their companies until they started finding out that there were things better in the IBW, and word of mouth started to travel, and it got easier. I'm not saying at the beginning it wasn't easy, but it was very hard, and but it was very fulfilling when you talk to a guy and you could talk to them, talk to their families, and I can tell you when you, if you can get out and talk to their wives, it's amazing the difference because they understand health care, they understand, you know, uh, good wages. They understand it because most times in some households they're doing the books and taking care of the kids and they want those benefits. So very fulfilling though. And it was, it was probably, you know, when you first start doing it, it's very challenging and it's very hard to convince people. And sometimes you had to talk to them multiple times to get them into the IBW. Well, it sounds like you built a pretty solid foundation and building that foundation obviously is not an easy task, but uh, Fast forward to today, how many members are in uh, 129, Brian? I think we're right around. I think we're right around 400. Um, we had a little downturn in when the residential took a downturn. We did lose some members at that time um, that were doing residential work, but I think they're right around 400 members right now. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. Now, yeah. now you, uh, you found your way to Washington. Now, not too many people in locals can do that. I, I thought that's a, that's a story in itself. How did that happen? Well, part of it was, part of it was, um, you know, when I was young, when I started out, it was like 32 when I started and I never was involved in politics. And then what happened was, is, is as I became this business manager and started figuring out politics played a big role in, like us securing work, especially in, you know, cities and municipalities and counties and being involved in this political arena. And I got very active. One of the persons that was I was very close friends with and did a lot with was Sherrod Brown. And so, like, we would, we would work on helping them get elected, work on holding people accountable at the county levels, you know, city levels, trying to make sure prevailing wage was paid, different things like that. And all of a sudden is <clears throat> I'm doing a lot of this stuff and I get a call from our national president wanted to have an interview with me and said, you know, would you be interested in coming to Washington, D.C.? And, and the, the interesting thing was we had a convention in uh, Cleveland at that time. And so I met him there and then a lot of, you know, a lot of the speakers came in and we started talking to him all. And that's when I first started talking about my, my president about it. And he goes, would you come in? to D.C. and work in our political department. And I was like, man, that's a big step, you know, and ended up, I was like, yeah. And we had a political director who was getting ready to retire, and they offered me a job, and I, uh, I think it was uh, March 1st of 2007, I uh, went to Washington, D.C. and came into this town and figured, like, what did I just do, to tell you the truth? Because it was totally different than what we had here. 
But as you worked at it, it was just a bigger arena, and you had to take it into smaller pieces. So I went there on March 1st of 2007. I moved to D.C. Uh, just me and my wife did. My daughter's a little bit older, stayed back in Ohio. We returned to Ohio almost every other weekend for 15 years. Uh, coming back here with my family, we, both my mother-in-law and my mom, both were still here. So we returned back to Ohio a lot because that's where I'm from and that's my roots. So Right. Midwest roots. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I hear you, brother. I hear you. How, how about that adjustment, though, working for uh, for IBW in Washington? And did you have a staff? And maybe you could spell that out for us. So the frustrating part is when you go like to Washington, D.C., and you look around, and on average year they pass about 10 bills that go through the House and the Senate. And you think about that, 10 bills for a whole year's worth of work. And your goal is is to keep anything out that has anti-union legislation or anti-worker legislation. And, you know, hopefully because they're, as you go there, you see that there are some people that are very much going after all the workers. And so it's very, very frustrating to watch maybe 10 bills that all go through to get signed to go through the House and the Senate and then signed by the president. It's crazy. It's yeah, and that's what you got to do, though. I mean, you, yeah. you try to get good legislation, but the, at the same time, you got to make sure that it doesn't turn into bad legislation, and that happens almost every day. There, real interesting stuff there. Brian Baker joining us on our live line today. IBW Local 129 in Lorain, Ohio. Got to give them a shout out today because that's where it all started, and he ended up at the IBEW as a national political director for 15 years. Also the first secretary-treasurer of the North Coast Labor Federation. We'll continue with Brian later in the show. We're going to go to Teamster Local 120 and talk about the uh, the flight attendants there trying to get a contract after Sun Country Airlines did a stock buyback with $100 million. It's all part of America's workforce. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. A great union requires a reliable election system. Survey and Ballot Systems is a trusted election partner with more than 30 years of expertise in managing union elections. By partnering with SBS, your union can ensure it gets an auditable process and a high level of customer service. SBS is here to help you conduct your union vote securely, transparently, and with trust building always in mind. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Attention members of the Heat and Frost Insulators Union who are interested in traveling. Central Ohio has more construction projects on the books than anywhere in the U.S. 
mega projects, large and medium-sized jobs are creating more work than our local 50 brothers and sisters can handle. Projects like Intel, the Honda LG battery plant, and multiple data centers for Facebook, Google, and Amazon offer union wages, overtime, and exciting incentives. Local 50 is seeking union travelers to meet the needs of its signatory contractors who can put you to work immediately. If you're a member in good standing and interested in the work opportunities in Central Ohio, visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF travel for more information. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Speaking of which, Brian Baker joining us today. He was the first secretary treasurer of the North Coast Labor Federation, and he was also president of the Lorain County AFL-CIO. We're talking about uh, his journey from Lorain, Ohio, to the national political office. He became political director for the IBEW back in 2007. So I'm going back to that time. That's when uh, George W. Bush was president, followed by Obama, followed by Trump, and then Joe Biden. So you had a couple of interesting transitions there. Uh, can you talk to me about navigating that as political director? Uh, and I had this conversation with the policy director of the American Federation of Government Employees yesterday, Jackie Simon. And uh, you, you got some zigging and zagging there. And, it, and, and when it comes to... Uh, different political beliefs sometimes some things that you want to talk about may not be approachable can you uh, can you share anything with us brian so so what i would say is is when when i got there just when obama you know we i was there just at the end of bush and his you know he was coming down so he really wasn't doing anything real bad at the end of it but obama came in and if you remember, that's about when the ACA was going through, the, the Obamacare and all that was going through. And the one good thing about it was is if, when we were there under Obama is we could get access to meet with his people. So, like, they had a labor liaison. It was an outreach guide to us. And if we had issues working through that bill or working on anything, we were able to talk to them. And, you know, they would take your issues up. It was more of a friendly atmosphere. And, it, you know, some days we didn't agree 100%, but we could at least put our our concerns up and then they could try to work through them to make them better. And as you remember, they stretched that out over about 10 or 11 months, um, the legislation. And, you know, there were good things in it and there were some things in there concerning to us. And 
at the end, my boss, President Hill, he said, we need to work through this because every person in the United States should somehow one day get health care. Then I'll fast forward to we go through Obama's administration, his second administration. He was helpful with on some PLA issues. He was helpful us. We had the IBW also represent power plants and things. So we had workers in there. And, you know, there was times when some people wanted to shut him down, and he worked with us on there. And then I would say when we switched over, we went through the election. And it was interesting in D.C. because everybody said, oh, there's no way that this new guy, President or Trump, can win. Hillary Clinton's going to be a shoe-in, and we were hearing from our members. They weren't so sure of that, and we know the outcome of that. Uh, President Trump got elected, and it went from, like, total access of being able to call the White House to not having a person in there that we had an outreach to. And so the difference was is we couldn't even get our concerns heard if we had concerns. And one major issue they tried to do is they tried to weaken all the apprenticeship standards for all of the apprenticeships that have been around for years, and they were going to make it easier for, say, non-union companies to just just put up their own apprenticeships, and then they would certify them, which they weren't getting the training, they weren't getting what they were supposed to do. And when they put this out, we were all going crazy because that's that's the lifeline of any building trades union. Sure. So what kind of happened was is we did this, we did this letter. We asked everybody to sign petitions and go through it. And once we got enough pressure, with all the building trades did it. There were actually some of the other unions, the FLCIO. We all did this piece, and that's when we finally got their attention that they changed the rulemaking on it. But that's the difference is when you have a friendly administration to when you don't have a friendly administration. You can agree to disagree with a friendly administration. You don't even get access if you get to the non-friendly. And then when President Biden was getting ready to run, I mean, he was very pro-union coming out and, you know, I'm going to do a lot of things. But what people have to realize, too, is, is you need you need both chambers. You need the House, the Senate, and you need the president to really make things change. If not, that's all they do there is they whittle down and take out things at the end. And then sometimes they put these presidents... In, in a in a case where they have to pass a budget and they'll put bad language in those. They're called uh, uh, an omnibus bill or a continuing resolution bill to keep the government going. That's where they try to put bad legislation and it hurts us. And right. we have to pay attention to that. And I can tell you one thing. They vote a lot of times at about eh, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning when we're all sleeping and they think nobody's paying attention. That's when you get your bad legislation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what they did in Michigan when they passed right mm-hmm. to work about yeah. uh, 10, 10, 11 years ago. They did it like at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and it wasn't yep, supposed absolutely. to happen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, That's interesting. Thanks uh, Thanks for that insight there, because I think it's important for people to know. I mean, you know, presidents set the tone, but then you got other bodies over there that you got to work with in the House and the Senate. And, and sadly, compromise is, is a dirty word today. Nobody wants to compromise. Well, there's a few people that don't want to compromise. Let me put it that way. And as a result, nothing's getting done. That's that's the crazy part. So So you retired, it was, what, two years ago? And now you're thinking, well, I got, maybe I should run for office. <laughs> now, now did you talk, I, I would imagine you had a good conversation with your wife about this. She probably said, Brian, you really want to do this? Absolutely. I mean, when we came home 
you know, and you know, you go a hundred miles an hour when you're in DC cause that's the pace. And I moved back home and, you know, I got settled in and then, um, it was interesting. I think you, I don't know if you've had Matt Patton on, he's out of the labors, um, international. And I was very good friends with Matt Patton and he calls me up one day and he said, Brian, you'd be willing to meet with our guys out here in Lorraine. And I said, yeah, what are you looking to do? And he said, we want to put back this involvement that you guys used to have. And I said, all right, I'll meet with them. But I said, Matt, I'm not looking for a full-time job right now. I'm not looking to do, you know what I mean? I'm going to kind of wind down a little bit. And next thing I know is I go to this meeting and then the, the business manager of the labors, uh, Chuck Brookies, his name. And he said, you know, can you use some of your contacts and we can meet these people. And I started doing it and, one of them was at the county commissioners um, here in Lane County, and they want to build a jail. And we were about local preference and responsible bitter language and things like that. And they kind of just kept brushing us off, wouldn't talk to us. And the more I kept going to the meetings, the, the probably the madder I got. And then I just kept getting more and more involved. And I come home one day and I said to my wife, I think I'm going to run for commissioner. I got to see the lay of the land, but I think I'm going to do this, you know. And I said, they're not they're not looking out for the betterment of the people. And it's like our members are going to suffer. And then about, uh, about August of last year, they came in and the commissioner said, we want to, we want to, um, prohibit any wind and solar in Lorraine County on unincorporated towns, cities, townships. And that really kind of frustrated me because that's my livelihood. And that's what I told him. I said, why would you take away my livelihood? I said, I understand controlling it and making sure it's done right. And they said, well, you got to understand, you know, people don't want it here. And I said, but we need revenue in this. You know, we were an industrial town just like Cleveland was, and we saw a lot of businesses leave. And, you know, you can't rely on commercial work all the time, but this is something that comes in. <clears throat> so as we went through this, I kept just digging in deeper and, and then I started getting you know, people that I remembered from when I was here and working with, and they kept encouraging me. And so December 11th, I talked to my wife, and she's supportive. We'll see how that goes if I end up getting there. But um, I filed a petition to run on December 11th, and um, fortunately enough, I don't have a primary in March, but I'm going to run head-to-head with one of the commissioners that, in my opinion, hasn't been good for the working class. And the one thing I think you always have to remember is any company that treats their workers good, especially if they're a unionized company, then we should always support them. But if people treat them bad, they need a voice. And if we can give them that voice, I think that's what we should do. There you go. Well, I salute you for taking that leap. And you know, uh, it, it's happening all over. In fact, uh, I, I record this show at Iron Workers Local 17. And one of their brothers in Canton, you might know this yeah. guy, Bill Shear. He... Yep. Uh, yeah, different local down there, and he had the support of 17, and he had the support of many iron workers, and today he is the mayor of Canton, Ohio. So, you know, good things can happen. And if you want to change the system, you got to get inside the system, and that's exactly what you're trying to do here. So that's a great story. I salute you for what you're doing, and I know you're going to get a lot of help from all your brothers and sisters in labor, especially 129, local 129, IBEW. Now uh, talking about uh, 400 members there in uh, Lorraine, Ohio. Brian, great conversation. Pat was right. He said you're a good guy to talk to, so let's stay in touch. Okay, brother? All right, thank you. You have a good day, too, okay? 
Okay, you got it. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check in with Sun Country Airlines, one of the uh, chief stewards at uh, Local 120 for the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. They're trying to get a contract. They're having a tough time. That story coming up next. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as healthcare and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with Lyuna. Find out what it takes for Lyuna to keep America running at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Are you an experienced mechanical insulator looking to take your career to the next level? Insulators Local 50 in Central Ohio has steady work for a number of years. Insulators Local 50 offers a total wage and benefits package that can't be beat. It's not just the competitive wages. Local 50 also provides medical, vision, and dental insurance with no paycheck deductions for you and your family. Don't miss out on the chance to secure your future. Join us at Insulators Local 50. Earn great pay and the best benefits. Visit insulators50.com forward slash AWF50 to fill out the online form and a local 50 representative will call to begin the process. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE.com. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. This portion of the show brought to you by the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craftworkers. For more information, please visit BACweb.org. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. 
Pierce, and Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter. That would be a WF Union podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. Let's go to uh, line number two right now. Welcome to the show, Elaine Rashavd. Elaine is a flight attendant. She's a chief union steward and negotiator for Teamsters Local 120, trying to get a contract with Sun Country Airlines. By the way, Local 120 represents nearly 12,000 members in four states. We're talking Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Elaine, welcome to America's Workforce. I was reading earlier on the show, and I hope I uh, pronounce your name correctly here. You're a 29-year flight attendant for Sun Country Airlines. Let me ask you, let's start off right there. What uh, what guided you in this direction to become a flight attendant? I know it it's exciting at times. You get to travel a lot, but take me back to that time almost 30 years ago. Let's start there, Elaine. Go ahead. I have, was working for a small helicopter airplane operator that decided at that time to close their doors. And I thought, I love aviation. I, I want to stay in aviation. So the next best thing was to become a flight attendant and, you know, go from there and maybe raise up in the ranks and management. But then, you know, it's a pretty nice life. You know, I'm not working Monday through Friday, eight to five. Uh-huh. So, I do my own schedule, so that's why I did that. And uh, you became a chief union steward and negotiator. That had to be an interesting switch. Was that uh, tough to get accustomed to, and and especially dealing with uh, with management? I first became a steward back in 2012. Um, I guess it didn't last long for me, and I don't. I'm not making this negative to be just a flight attendant. I wanted, I wanted to do something for my fellow flight attendants to make life better for us. So I became a steward to help them out during this time. And even during those four or five years that I was a flight attendant at that time, I did do some negotiating also. And then I moved to Florida from Minneapolis to Florida and I said, okay, this is good, but I still need to be involved. So I became a steward again and became involved in the negotiations again. And then the chief steward position became available. And I I was asked if I wanted that position. And I said, yeah, I think I will. Mm -hmm. I can do better for my group. So. And right now you're trying to do just that, make it better for your group. I understand that uh, Teamsters Local 120, you've been in talks actually for four years. There was a break uh, for 19 months due to the pandemic, but uh, right now I guess you're in the heat of the moment. Tell me tell me where you are right now, and, and I understand wages are, are, are pretty much the issue, right? Oh, definitely. We are one of the lowest paid of the ultra low cost carriers. We're not talking Delta. We're not talking American. We're not talking Southwest. We're talking the low cost carriers, the spirits, the allegiance. We're one of the, we are the lowest paid and we're just trying to get up to a reasonable livable wage. We haven't had an increase from 2016. We've got flight attendants 
that are stalled out. They get nothing now, and they have been at nothing since 2018. And as you know, and other labor groups know, hey, the cost of living is pretty high. Oh, we yeah. need an increase. To your point, Elaine, we've seen some pretty good contracts here in other airlines. Uh, Double-digit increases. I know the pilots did really well. Uh, not everybody. Obviously, you're in that category. Um, but what, do you, what are you trying to accomplish here? And I know you've got a lot of solidarity. I see you took a uh, they, you pretty much voted down a tentative agreement. This was last May by 96 percent. So it sounds like everybody's pretty much united on this. But what do you what are you trying to uh, what are you trying to accomplish here? I mean, what kind of boost are you looking for right now? Well, we like I said, we are one of the lowest paid. So we are looking at a very good increase per hour. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want to give any figures, but something that our members would be happy to accept. Um, and also when we look at some of our other labor groups, or I should say specifically one labor group within our company that has a very lucrative contract, we just want some of that. Our company is making money. You know, oh. please share the wealth. They have said, because I have been involved in the contracts before, we will take care of you. By the tenants, we know you have sacrificed. In fact, we did sacrifice through the pandemic. We saved the company over $4 million by taking leaves so they didn't have to pay out those salaries. We were the only labor group that did that at Sun oh. Country Airlines. We just want something back now. Yeah, I hear you. I didn't realize you, you took a hit like that. Well, you, you're talking about a company that has money. Well, obviously, they had money for stock buybacks. I was reading in the Teamster release, $100 million in stock buybacks, but they can't come up with money for your contract? Is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing. We did start mediation in December. We are in mediation. Um, our next mediation session is in February, but we are at the mercy of our mediator schedule, and that's why we're not meeting in January. Um, there's very few mediators, unfortunately, that are available. So we're fortunate that we even got one so fast. Um, well, so how did things how did things go in December? Yeah, that was that was their first one in a long time. Did you make some progress then? We gave them our proposal. We gave them a very reasonable proposal. So let's hope that come February, they come back with something very reasonable too. Let's mm -hmm. say they're, uh, they will not give us what we ask right off the bat. But we're going to keep on pushing for that. I can tell you that right now. We are not going to wait and say, oh, okay, you want to reduce that by 50%? Of course. We're not going to do that. We're going to say, no, we deserve this. We deserve it now. Elaine, let me ask you. I mean, it's been a, you're, you're working under a, a contract from 10 years ago, 2014, and the last uh, boost in wages was 2016, uh, which is ridiculous. And like you said, you're the lowest paid. Are you losing members? How many members do you have right now that are flight attendants and are, Problem. My guess is some of them are saying, "Hey, you know what? I ain't going to work here anymore. I'm leaving this because they're not they're not helping us out." 
Is any of that happening right now? We, our nutrition rate is quite high, um, but they are hiring like crazy right now. And then they're getting rid of them, which is okay. If they're not working out, they, um, they should leave. But our attitude towards those people that show up and they're working for six months, a year, two years, and they go over to Delta, they go over to American Southwest, we go, good for you. Go and enjoy your life because in another year, they will be making more than what they would have been making at Sun Country. And we applaud those flight attendants that do move on to another airline. So so what do you tell the ones that are sticking it out right now? I mean, is there a lot of solidarity among the group? There is a lot of solidarity. And I'll tell you, the majority of the people are Minneapolis-based. You know, most of them are born and raised in Minnesota, um, like I was. Um, and even though I live in Florida now, but... You know, my heart, my family is in Minnesota, and that's why they stick it out. And plus, we're like a family. Oh, my gosh. When I, we knew everybody. We know pretty much everybody. We go and go, oh, my gosh, it's Jane. You know, how you doing? Um, So we are a family, though it almost appears that our company doesn't want us to be a family. They, They are eroding that aspect of it. Um. We just don't well, know everybody you, like we used to. You you have a family with Teamsters Local 120. You know that. And you know what the Teamsters accomplished last year with UPS. I mean, it was groundbreaking what they did. So I'm sure you're getting a lot of support from not just the local but national on this on this journey right now. And that's actually what it is. So my uh, my hat's off to you. And obviously our support is for all the, the members uh, uh, that are that are these these are all flight attendants we're talking about primarily is that what we're looking at right now and what what number are we looking at over 600 we're 600. a small company but hey we do a good job i'm sure you do okay elaine anything else you want to wrap up here before we uh, before we button it up you know like you said i do thank the teamsters local 120 they have been wonderful to us and also the airline division of the of the international division, uh, Teamsters. There you go. All right. Elaine, keep in touch. You got support here on America's Workforce, okay? Good luck to you in February. Thank you. That'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, latest from the American Legion and the Alliance for Retired Americans. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.